Rich, some guys like it quiet, some guys like it loud. This is. Yeah, you know, Gator needs to look like he needs some exercise. I don't know. Of course, the conditions now that he has to play the shot test anyone. Welcome into Dialed In, a podcast by the High Cotton Club. Episode 79, coming to you from High Cotton headquarters here in Springfield, Tennessee. I'm your co-host, Johnny Stu. Join with me as always, El Capitan, Connor Hendrickson, a.k.a. Lefty Sauce. Connor, we've had a beautiful couple days here in Middle Tennessee. It feels like the groundhog was right and spring is upon us. How are you feeling? Um, I'm feeling hopeful. Like you said, it's been better than it could be this time of year. February is always hit or miss, and uh, we could be under several inches of snow right now, but we're not. Beautiful weather out there this week. A little bit of rain on Thursday, but, you know, you take what you can get. We like to see this ahead of the Farmers' Cup next weekend at Park Mammoth Golf Club. Should be, you know, I mean, I know that they aerated um, at the end of the fall, and there's still, you know, some heel marks, stuff like that. But I would imagine that it's going to be in really good shape for us. Yeah, I would think so, uh, especially being that far away. Um, Park Mammoth never seems to disappoint. So Yeah, Austin Hines, Jacob Thompson, the entire uh, grounds crew out there, they crush what they do. They're, they're really good at their jobs, and so we appreciate them. Um, we also appreciate Clay Doty, captain for the High Cotton Club next weekend, and Alan Schaup, captain of the Crossroads Coop overall and captain of the next weekend squad, joining this episode of Dialed In, a podcast by the High Cotton Club. Before we jump into that, there's a lot of stuff in the High Cotton Club, as always. And every time I listen back to the pod, I hope people realize, I repeat that on purpose. It's kind of a bit. I hope they're buying into the bit. And like, I like to envision people, you know, riding in their cars. And as I'm saying that, they start to say the as always with me. That's that's what I'm envisioning in my head. But as always, a lot going on in the High Cotton Club. We want to talk about some of that stuff. Um, But before we do, I want to talk about the rudder at Anchor High Marina been a great supporter and sponsor of the high cotton club and so if you haven't uh, been out there lately since the tornadoes came through we want to encourage you to do that they have happy hour uh wednesday thursday friday two to six excluding their events like this friday they'll have yacht rock friday from six to ten with chips and salsa um and some uh great actually is chips and salsa the name of the band might be might be We'll double check on that, but uh, make sure you check out the rudder, ahm.com for the full event schedule. We've got stuff going on Saturday as well, um, but a great place at 126 River Road in Hendersonville, Tennessee. Reach out to them, voted one of the best places in Middle Tennessee to dine outside. So if you have any questions for them, just give them a shout at 615-348-0129. Um, Again, that's the rudder at Anchor High Marina. We appreciate Patrick Patton and the Patton family very much. If you're watching on Spotify, you see all the great stuff in front of us. And next week, the Farmers Cup will be rocking some merch, courtesy of Mr. Patrick Patton. 
But before we get into the Farmers Cup, all that good stuff, we talked a lot on last week's pod still about the High Cotton Classic. Did you listen back, and how did you feel about that conversation overall? Yeah, I, I I'm just ready for it to start. I'm with you. Uh, the classic is is the Masters for me. Like it is, it is the rite of passage start of the season. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, as soon because we 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 typically do like to kick it off the week of the Masters, yes. and this year we're just doing it a little different. But it's the rite of passage to spring. It is the kickoff of the season. It's time to see who's put the work in during the winter. We're going to see who's ready to go. I can't wait. And like we talked about on last week's pod, some of the best merchandise that we've had for any of the classics. So I'm excited to see that stuff start to roll in. Um, but like we said on last week's pod, only 16 players are going to be welcomed into the Tennessee slash Kentucky bracket, reduced down from 32 in the past. So if you're on the edge, if you haven't submitted your entry fee yet, it's the first 16 players to register and submit their entry fee. So please do so as quickly as possible as well as in Alabama. We're close to a full field of 16, but we need those guys to pay their entry fees as well as maybe get a couple, uh, one or two buddies to join in and fill that field out. Um, But usually we kick off the High Cotton Classic with the salute. Like you said, the Classic schedule off a little bit right now. I may look at adjusting it based on, you know, since we brought down the field size a little bit, but don't want to, you know, mess with it too much. But the salute is usually how we kick that off on Masters Wednesday that is our salute to the Masters Part 3 contest down at Augusta. And we have that at Vinnie Links in Nashville, Tennessee. It was featured on the Golfer's Journal uh, film Local Rules that we talked about with Mr. Brian Turley. It's just an awesome little Part 3 and one of the best public golf options that Middle Tennessee has to offer. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I I don't think I didn't get to go at the last one, but I went to the first one mm-hmm. and I mean, I think we had three or four groups out there just walk in everybody's carrying beer and about three or four clubs and it's just a, it's a vibe to itself yeah uh we were we sat there in the parking lot before and recorded a pod watched a couple of people get arrested you know it, it's good times good times down at shelby park and we look forward <laughs> to welcoming a field back there this year um highly encourage everybody to check out unknown golf and our link uh through instagram if they want to get involved with that um, the salute is our next to last event of the year. That's going to be Masters Wednesday again. I believe I don't have it in front of me, but I think that's April 10th. Does that sound right? Yeah. Um, so make sure that you're getting involved. All the, the right things are unknown golf uh, when you go to register. But the event after that, our last event of the year before the extinction, that's your last opportunity to qualify for the showdown if you have not already. But it's also an opportunity to get back to one of the High Cotton Club's favorite venues, the course at Sewanee on on Mont Eagle. It's a great, great track where there's been a lot of debate in the High Cotton Club on whether it's the best nine holder in the state. Let's you do it that with uh, do with that what you will. Um, but I'm excited to get back there in a little bit different way than we did last year. We had Tennessee versus Alabama last year with this board that's in front of me, but this year we're going to split straight down I-65 uh, West versus East. My man John Stewart here. We're both going to be on the West team, um, but you have it pulled up in front of you. These teams are starting to shape out. I think 10 on the East, eight or nine on the West. How do you think uh, these teams are shaping out? It's going to be tight. I think I think it's going to be uh, closer than it was last year, um, which it was fairly close last year. But um, I think the divide down 65 is a much better indicator of our footprint 
where we are as far as where players are. Um, because honestly, we have so much right there in Middle Tennessee. If you just draw a line straight down, I think you've got, um, I think you've got a good little indicator right there of of good even teams. So I think this year is going to be a lot closer. Um, for the most part, it appears that a little, the West team is going to be a, giving up some pops. Yeah, initially I thought that the West team was going to be uh, the stronger team, but the East team is really shaped up to have a, a strong group. I mean, there's no really other way to put it. Um, a lot of guys with both the combination to go play really good golf and, you know, take advantage of their strokes. Yeah, I mean, we, we've we got a few low ones, whereas the East team honestly has a lot right there in the middle. Mm -hmm, which is exactly where you want to be. Yeah. So um, it'll be interesting to see um, how that field fills out. Please go to Unknown Golf or the link in our Instagram bio to register for that event. Get a couple buddies filled for that event. Um, we would like to at least get 12 players per team. But if we can get to 16, we would love to as well. You know, that'd be the same size as the Farmers Cup amongst our own uh, roof. So that would be fantastic and we'd love to get there. But just check out those links once. The field is full. Um, quickly, hopefully, we'll nominate captains from everybody in the field. Uh, so it'll be exciting to see who gets voted, and uh, we'll you know kind of go through the same thing that we're going through with the pair or with the Farmers Cup right now. Yeah, I think it has more of a Civil War feel to it with the East West line because like you got Kreider like right down the road, but he's on the other side. You know, he's less than ten minutes away, and he's on the other side. And you know, when and then we, sorry to interrupt you. No. I've got to get this off my look, Nick, <laughs> Coach Mal. Like as soon as it comes out, says I want Johnny Stew. Nick, you're on my team. <laughs> I hope you meant you want me like as your partner. Yeah. Um, well, I think that <laughs> was probably Paul. back when it was Alabama, Tennessee, right? Or was that after the? No, the that was after we announced it. He said he he said, "Oh, I want Johnny Stew." Come on, coach. Um, Come on, man. But yeah, it is very interesting with some of those guys. You know, just a couple miles from I-65 on either direction. Um, so. I've tried to, you know, shy away from the fact that it is a little bit of a civil war um, because we, you know, have the accusations that we had in the past with high cotton. <laughs> um, so that's why we went Tennessee versus Alabama last year, not north versus south, but east versus west. We're fine. We're dodging fine. all of those fine. gray lines, bird fine. areas, hopefully. Um, but something that will be going on at the uh, education, at the Farmers Cup, at the salute, the entire rest of the season and in uh, the foreseeable future is the Prime Golf League. The draft is going to happen next week on this here platform. That's right. You heard me. The Prime Golf League draft will take place on episode 80 of Dialed In, a podcast by the High Cotton Club. We'll have all four team owners, which are currently being voted on by the uh, league themselves, as well as the entire roost has the right to vote. Once those four owners are determined, we'll get a time. We'll have them on the pod. They will run through the draft and pick their team so that when the Farmers Cup launches next week, when the pod comes out next Friday, we're able to go play matches. Yeah, just remember I leave uh, Wednesday. Uh, I asked you the other day at the Legacy, did I not? I'm <laughs> yeah. trying to get this vote wrapped up as quickly, quickly as I can, and that's why I keep saying in Discord, like if, if we get a stop in momentum for voting, I'll go ahead and cut it because I'd like to get these uh, this draft scheduled as quickly as possible. Yeah, that's going to be fun. I think the draft is going to be the the best part. Like, I, I don't know if I'm going to be a captain or not, but, like, part of me 
is probably like more excited to like be drafted than to be the drafter. That's exactly what I was telling you earlier. <laughs> okay. like, I'm just trying to go through mock drafts. Like, all right, you know, what kind of prospect am I? It, you know, if this was high school football recruiting, I, I have to imagine I'm a five star, you know, but I also don't want to be, you know, I'm coming off of injury. Uh, you know, I've been away from the game. If I was four you star, could, three you star, could fall in the draft. I could fall in the draft and I, that would be something that you I would take very slip, personally. Slip to the third or fourth round. It's going to be exciting to see. Um, there's a bit of a separation with the top two owners uh, with votes right now, a little bit closer with third and fourth and a little bit of a drop off. But as we potentially expand, um, you know, we don't really want to get these teams larger than eight players right now. We're in a pretty good spot. So as the league expands, we could definitely have some expansion teams um, and whoever would be voted fifth, sixth, that type of thing would be in line to become one of those expansion owners. But um, it's it's really, again, a, a thing that I'm very excited about. If you missed out on registration for the PGL before it closed so that the uh, owner's vote could open, we encourage you to go join the waiver wire. It's available on Unknown Golf right now. Um, if you join before the draft, you can be drafted. If you join after the draft, you'll be put onto the waiver wire and be eligible to be picked up uh, by another team. So, again, just a great opportunity to get involved, continue to get involved in those jackpots. Um, like we try to keep pushing as a path to the regional and you chimed in on the Discord after I did this week. I threw out a bunch of challenges for the Farmers Cup. I'm trying to, you know, it's my first round back, um, official round back, but I'm trying to make some noise. Yeah, I know. You're just, just trying to give out jackpot points like candy. It's like Christmas. You get jackpot points. You get jackpot points. I don't I don't <laughs> think it's going to be you get them. I, they're going to have to go earn them. I think, I think I'm going to surprise some people. At least that's what I'm trying to speak into the universe. You got um, new clubs too, right? No, not until I get fully geared up. Oh. I got to get my swing body back up. But uh, lesson with Barney Allery, shout simplifying golf this week. Feeling good. Um, we'll try to get back out there with him right before the event. But I'm feeling good and I'm excited for what's coming. So without any further ado, let's get into the interview with Clay Doty and Alan Shout of the Crossroads Co-op and High Cotton Club. Um, before we do, AAA Glass is uh, the presenting sponsor for all of our guests here on Dialed In the Podcast by the High Cotton Club. Shout out Dilly D. We talk about him quite a bit in this uh, segment with the two captains. AAA Glass is a locally owned company in High Cotton Country since 2003. They specialize in auto glass and shower doors because no, jo no job is too big or too small. They can handle any glass in your vehicle or any shower from residential homes to hotels and apartments. They're located all over the southeastern United States with brick-and-mortar locations in Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, Mississippi, and Kentucky. They can service any of the High Cotton Club's members with fantastic customer service and a quick response time because they have embodied the Southern hospitality that the High Cotton Club has always been known for. And this is straight from Dilly D. I got to say it every time. As always, Queen City members are charged double. And he's not going out there in North Carolina anyway. Let All the right. boy watch. Let the boy watch. Let the boy take his shirt off. We'll do whatever he wants to do because he's 6'7", 245, and none of us are going to stop him. But you know what? We'll stop him. What? Deadlifts. To hear more about that, tune in to this podcast or this uh, segment with Alan and Clay. We appreciate them very much for joining, and we appreciate you very much for listening. Welcome in, Mr. Clay Doty and Alan Chout, captain of the Crossroads Coop. I know that on the pairings party, I said uh, co-op a few times. It's been a bit of a transition, but mea culpa on that, but welcome in, guys. Crazy. It's not co-op? 
It's not co-op. It's coop. Because that's you know, my bad. I've been calling it co-op too. That's my bad. Ness yeah, and then yeah. Bruce and then Coop. It makes sense. We gotta set the record straight. Yeah, well, great. 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 Good spring weather back. Snow's gone. Yeah, it's like sixty-five in February up here is insane. So we're we're really enjoying that. <laughs> Good deal. Well, I know that there's been a lot of preparation leading up to this event, the second border mm-hmm. battle between the High Cotton Club and the Crossroads Coop. So I'm excited to dive into it a little bit. Before we do, I want to hear a little bit about your thoughts on last year's event and how that kind of led into what you guys have been doing um, and how you got introduced as an official no laying up roost. Yeah, so there was quite a bit of chatter with the Indiana group and the refuge and um I guess it would have been late winter 2022, got a little um, extra momentum, jumped in. There was another guy who was interested in co-captaining, and uh, we reinvigorated the group, you could say. Um, Next thing we knew, I had reached out to you guys, I think, through Clay, so thanks, Clay, um, to get the original border battle started and get set up with uh, the March event down in Quail Crossing. Um, and and the rest is history. Got our asses kicked in that event and then uh, <laughs> just couldn't stay away. So had to become an official roost and run it back this year. Good deal. Well, congratulations like on the official roost ship. So uh, yeah, I feel like it's how is uh, Quail Crossing doing? Have you, have you been back recently? You guys play that place a lot. It's funny. Uh, I sent a picture to Doty probably three or four weeks after we had that in a grass bunker at a golf course I play in Springfield, Tennessee. There is a poker chip ball marker from Quail Crossing. Just happened to find it in a grass bunker laying there. I still got it. I thought it was like an omen. Yeah, I mean, my my first time at the Legacy, I actually talked to uh, the head pro or whoever was running the pro shop that day. He knew all about quail. He'd been up there a bunch. Uh, it's right. I mean, the thing is, it's right next door to the behemoth of Southern Indiana golf, Victoria National, and so it it's got a lot of people that know about Victoria, also know quail. Cause it was an old uh, Hooters tour stop. Uh, unfortunately, I have to say, I have not been back to quail since. Considering how much I love that course, I probably need to change that here sooner rather than later. So fun thing I learned about quail after our event is that my wife's grandparents who are down in that area were members there for about 30 years, played it mm-hmm. daily. So not, not 30 years. They've lived down there that long, but um Played it all the time. Soon as Doke opened it up, loved it, and then ended up moving on to a little nine holer closer to them. But part of the family. It was it was a good little track. It I mean, was fun. You could definitely yeah. see like the early bones uh, from kind of Doke's philosophy, kind of trying to seep out, I guess. But mm-hmm. moving forward to this year, Park Mammoth, it's the full fledged thing. I'm very excited to see our guys compete um, across 18 holes at Park Mammoth. When we first started talking to the architect, Brian Ross, it was like, all right, what kind of format do you want to see at this golf course? And his answer was immediately match play. 
So being able to take this event to Park Mammoth, I'm very excited to see the results. You guys had plenty of time and preparation to set your, you know, probably mock pairings, mock lineups, stuff like that. Uh, Alan, what was your process like preparing for the pairings party that we hosted earlier this week? Honestly, I went to the guys. I said, who do you want to play against? Who do you want to play with? And we took it from there and backed into the pairings that we were going to get. I got to say, you guys threw a lot of curveballs at us with uh, the pairings you put together. Um, I was sure we were going to see the Connor Hendrickson and Dustin Ball matchup again because you guys won so uh, soundly last year. And we we had a pairing ready to go against that, but you, you didn't give it to us. So um, we're super excited about the pairings you guys did put forward. Really excited about some of the chemistry that a few of the guys have built across the kind of North central and South regions for the coop and should be some good fireworks. Well, now see, you can't Connor, Connor never goes out for a second date with partners. He, <laughs> he's no, he is notorious for just blowing up partnerships. D-ball and I like won the, won this the... one, like before him and D-ball, it was me and him. Yeah, we don't partner anymore. Then it was him and Turley. Him and Turley are done. No, we're <laughs> D-ball and I won the gallop two years in a row. Turley and I planning on running back to four ball this year. So that's a false narrative and it's bullshit. And he would take you out to a nice seafood dinner and never <laughs> call <laughs> you again. <laughs> but, but Clay, I, you, I will believe Connor was making those decisions. What was your thought process beside, uh, behind some of those pairings? First off, I will believe Connor and Turley are running it back in the fall classic whenever I see them put a tee in the ground in the first match. Yeah, it, that, it it's won't a thing happen. at this point. Uh, honestly, I mean, we tried to pair experience with newer guys, and we tried to base it off of some of that experience with the guys that honestly were kind of blessed with the fact that pretty much all of our guys have played match play events at this point. And so we knew that we could rely on that. And with that, we also know how certain guys are going to, are going to play in match play. Some guys are going to make a lot of birdies. Some guys are going to be more of a steady Eddie, try to pair some of those guys together. Also try to pick guys that we thought would be in the right moment, be right for their spot in the lineup, things like that. Well, when we're talking about these pairings, it's critical that we talk about the format because I think that that has a lot to do with what you guys were thinking. So the format for this event is 18 holes match play, but nine holes, four ball matches, nine holes, singles matches with every hole being worth one point. So when you're pairing those four ball groups, when it goes to singles, whoever's the closest in handicaps will compete in singles. So I'm sure that that was on both of your minds, um, trying to pair these uh, groups up, making sure, you know, I think that if you look at like Alan, you were talking about me and D ball, if you pair us together, Am I right or wrong that your strategy was to stroke us to death? Uh, playing at 75%, I I don't think we can lean on that at all. Uh, a couple bad slip-ups and throwing away holes and that handicap advantage goes right out the door. And honestly, you guys put together some high-low and like level level handicap pairings that are causing a little bit of consternation in the in the coop um but no i i would i would say that 
we were hoping for and expecting you and D-Ball to be together because you guys were competitors, silent assassins, and we needed a rematch. But we, we will wait for another year for that. That's fair. Clay, um, is there one group as we start to get into pairings before we talk about them um, all together? Is there one of these pairings that you are most excited about? Just for your just for the High Cotton Club. On the High Cotton Club side of things. I I know I took a couple strays at Tanner yesterday, but the Tanner and Dylan pairing, <laughs> the things that are going to be said in that group. Dylan is going to try and find some way to top let the boy watch. I know it's, I just know Dylan well enough that he's going to try and do something. And Tanner's just, he's a competitor. He's an athlete, terrible at fantasy football, like has been discussed in the past. But other than that, he, he fights, he grinds. And I think that those two together with their history together are going to be a hell of a pairing for us. Alan, what about you? Is there any groups that you're excited that you got paired together more than some others per se? Their opponents, um, Tanner and Dylan's opponents being Travis Teeple and Nick Bennett. Uh, they they have a lot of, I don't know. I, I think Travis or Teeps in the refuge is, is back for some blood. Um, we had a pretty bad match last year and he's he's coming back for for vengeance so he and uh bennett have gotten pretty amped up we're gonna get them some good bourbon we're gonna play a little bit of pool the night before and unleash him and i think that there couldn't have been a better high cotton pairing for them to go against awesome well Stu, do you want to run through these pairings and then we'll talk about them a little bit more in depth yeah uh so starting out 9 30 in the morning uh for the coop, you've got Andrew Gibson at a nine and Rob Thus. I don't, sorry if I don't. I think Thus. That's right, as a 12. Then uh, they're playing Ricky Silvestri as a zero, Clay Doty as a six. Uh, 9.42, you got Dustin Ball as a two, Brad Stuhlreiter as a five, aka Stu number two, playing against Lee Taylor as a three and Graham. We talked about this a lot. Casalo. I'm going with it until I hear otherwise. Kusala? I couldn't see the comments last night in the chat, really. Um, it was a miracle that I saw Nick Bennett's. But, you know, when somebody says that they're in Seoul, Korea, I guess it kind of stands out in the chat. Yeah. And uh, then at 954, uh, in – okay, shoop. Shout. 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 Uh, Andrew Davis against Connor Hendrickson and Walt Draper. 1006. Uh, the Iceman, Brian Turley, and Mr. 402, Alex Kreider, against Evan Anders and Nate Beck, 1018. Uh, Alan Shoup? Shalp. <laughs> and Robert Cole against uh, Wes Stamey and Austin Matthews at 1030. We've got Josh Appleton, Austin Gervais, against Jordan Savage and Brad Crone. Uh, 1042, you got Travis Teeple and Nicholas Bennett against Tanner Sandell and Dylan Doris. 1054, uh, Lane Sock and JT versus Paul Goddard and Adam uh, Scribner. 
So Clay, you're leading it off. You led it off last year. What's the thought mm-hmm. process there? I mean, it's just one of those that I kind of want to set the tone if I can. Uh, hopefully not pull it into a tree this year. That was not my best start last year, but Caleb, my buddy Caleb was a good friend and followed me right in there anyway. So uh, more just, I want to get out and set the tone. And I mean, pairing up with Ricky, I know that, I know D-Ball calls himself the pace car, but Ricky is someone that can get real hot real quick. And I know that he can get out there, to, he can start firing at everything and make make some birdies early and he can get us going rolling downhill real quickly and i know i mean ricky's a former high level athlete so i know he likes the big show being in the lead off spot and getting out there and setting the tone and alan when we when clay announced that pairing last night up against um andrew and rob because you had the first pick um what were your thoughts i know that you kind of mentioned oh the low cap um how did you feel about that pairing right there Rob mentioned afterward that he wanted to get out first. Uh, He's always been a guy that I imagined we could put out and, like Clay said, set the tone for the squad. So I'm leaning on those guys to do that this year. They've got a lot of chemistry from playing together up north. Uh, It's the perfect matchup. We know that, well, I haven't met Ricky personally, but um, with a scratch handicap, I think Gibson's going to have to put together a a solid back nine in that singles match. And uh, Clay and Rob are already chirping at each other in our discord. So that's going to be a great match. And I'm, I'm almost bummed that I didn't go out first so that I could circle back and see these guys wrap that one up. Sure. Um, So in the second one, um, when Clay said D ball, did you, I guess you just automatically assume my name was next. So when he said Stu number two, how did you automatically pivot who you were going to be putting up against them? Or is this Lee Taylor, Graham Kusala group who you had uh, forecasted to go up against that potential pairing? Did not have Lee and Graham picked for the D ball match. But as soon as I found out that it was not going to be you joining him, it was like, all right, I got to get, two guys with a lot of energy, relatively low and even caps. Uh, and, and into that match and competitive and following up that first match um, with, with a lot of vigor. And Clay on your side, um, how do you feel about, obviously, you know, Alan's talked about D ball from last year and you've talked about him being the pace car. I guess this is as good a time as any. Clay mentioned on the pairings party this week, why ever D-Ball calls himself the pace car. Do you want to explain that, Stu? Yeah. Okay. So at the Nationals at Sweetens last year, um, I guess it was after day one. Um, was that right? <laughs> yeah, I guess it was after day one. And then everybody, we've drank probably the entire county out of how new high noons Aaron had to drive to like another county to find more high noons but I think D-Ball had half of them and he just ran around drunkenly calling himself pace car because he was out front and he was playing better than all of us I swear if he said pace car once he said it a thousand times just obnoxiously drunkenly he gave himself the nickname. We're, this, this is a self-proclaimed nickname. Nobody gave him this thing. But so. it fits great with his accent when he's drunk because it's just 
NASCAR and pace car, baby. Just turn and burn. But uh, Clay, I got so sick. Dude, if you get sick and tired of hearing it, just tell him to shut up. So but Clay, I've told him plenty of times. How do you feel about him and Stu number two pairing together? Stu, a guy who's had plenty of experience in the classic. Um, he just had a lesson with simplifying golf. Shout out Barney Allery um, within the past couple weeks. So a guy who's working on his game as the spring is progressing. How do you feel about this pairing going up against Lee and Graham? I think this is going to be a great, really competitive match. I mean, honestly, you, you just hit the nail on the head there. Uh, whenever I went back and reviewed the matches, like afterwards, if I could pick any match just to sit back and watch, it's this one. I mean, this is our combined lowest handicap match. It's one of the tightest ones on strokes. And I know that D-Ball is super steady, and so is Stu number two. Like, I know those two, one of them could make triple, and it's not going to face the other one. And the thing is, I don't see either one of them making a triple. That's, and I know that they will, they will ham and egg it around and it could be those two could end up fighting. No, I want to make the birdie or I want to win this hole, things like that. And I mean, I just, I felt like those two were going to be pretty consistent. I was really excited to see them get pretty much a straight up match. I mean, Grant Lee's going to get one stroke and Graham's going to get one stroke. And I'm pretty sure both of those are on the front nine. So both those back nine singles matches are straight up. Just no net. It's all net or no net golf at this point. It's all just straight up. Whoever wins it wins it. Yeah, they'll they'll both get their pop on eight, right? Three, three uh, or four. There's yeah. been so much confusion around the handicap holes. Uh, that you know, it's just whatever. I know eight and three and four are all. Eight's an easy hole. I thought it was eight's a stroke hole. Yeah, is it? Golly, well, it's I want to say four. I want to say four is the number one ranked handicap hole. I think that's where they're going to get his four. Hey, Connor, it's somebody who broke his three-putt streak on eight last year against Jack. That's where I broke my three-putt streak because that was for a four for three. That's why I remember eight to stroke call. So, Alan, the card, I don't know if they've told you or not, the Park Mammoth scorecard, the handicapping on it is not yep. apparently correct. Yeah, we've gone back and forth all day um, about that, and I've been in communication with the golf course, with Alan and Clay. It's honestly and- just a couple holes that are – it's more like than a couple up. holes, and it's I don't know what the issue is, but we have it worked out with the USGA. We received exactly what Park Mammoth reported to the USGA. We have that through Unknown Golf. So we're good um, as long as we're reporting scores through Unknown Golf. But, yeah, while people are in their matches, definitely want to make sure that they're looking at um, what Unknown is showing versus what the scorecard may be showing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but moving on into the next match, 954, mm-hmm. uh, myself and Walt versus Alan, your brother, Ian. And Andrew Davis, how are we feeling about this match, boys? Clay, I'll let you leave that one off. So I thought I thought to put Connor and Walt out there once again. These two both played last. This is our first pairing that both of them played last year in the Farmers Cup, and I know that Walt is somebody who honestly has one of the best swings in our group and can get in a groove real quick. I think it's actually had multiple comments potentially from Stu about how mad he is that Walt gets the positions he is he's in and it's still like a nine handicap. But Walt and Connor together, I think Walt's one of those dudes that he can play with anybody. And Connor's the same way. And so I felt like they would they'd vibe together pretty well. And they're also both guys that can go go low and get hot. So we try to put a lot of guys who can get on a heater out early. 
When's the last time you swung a club? I've swung a club this week, but okay. it's been broken ribs since November. So it's it's going to be leaning on Walt a lot in that one. But fingers uh, fingers crossed, he doesn't get kicked in the face by a, a horse between now and then. Yeah, it's just a roll of the dice. But excited to get back out there and compete. Hopefully, you know the the moment will bring out some some good stuff. Honestly, I'm terrified of what the practice round is going to bring. Um, but hopefully, the actual competition brings something better. But Alan, how do you feel about? Um, Ian and Andrew going up against us. This one I'm excited about, uh, not only because they get to play you and Walt, but these guys play a lot of golf. Uh, Purgatory, which is the host of our first round of the major for the coop, uh, they ham and egg with the best of them. And if they're both in a really exceptional mood and they've both had a lot of fun the night before, uh, there's a good chance that they play off of that really well. Uh, I think it's going to, it's going to come down to whether my brother can figure it out with the flat stick day of. And if he does, then I really like our chances with this one. He, he will show it in the practice round and day of, but the guy hits the ball a long way. So could be a little aggressive with some of the greens, uh, not at all concerned about that long par four playing it from the blacks. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up stealing that KP. So, Alan, I see here uh, you and your brother have the same handicap. So level with us here. Who's better? He definitely is. He's got the fundamentals. Uh, I think in all-time match play, he's definitely got my number, but I have the most recent win. So he beat me really soundly at the south course at Arcadia up in Michigan. And then I came back and whooped him on bluffs a year later. So we're going to run that back this April, I think. But he's he's way better. He was a individual state in high school. And again, if he finds it with the flat stick, he could be lights out. Well, having somebody who hits the ball a long way is the opposite of what I do. But Walt, pound for pound, really long hitter. Um, in his own right. So it should be an exciting match. And um, I just, yeah, it sounds like Ian uh, is going to be bringing it. I hope that I can, I know that my handicap is just a, a very poor reflection of not having played. So we'll see how that shakes out. No excuses, um, clear eyes, full hearts, may lose, but hope not. All right, next match, um, Evan Anders and Nate Beck from the Crossroads Co-op versus Brian Turley and Alex Kreider. Alan, um, Nate, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Nate competed last year, right? Yeah, he was that's a very familiar name. So I thought so. And then Evan, um, first time competing in the event. How do you feel about these guys playing together? Scared to play them again personally. They uh, took Paul Goddard and I on at Fow. We played it up, and I think lost four and two. It was it got really ugly on the back nine. Uh. Nate's game was sharp. They also ham and egged it really nicely. Loved the pairing. They said that day at foul that they'd like to be paired up for Farmer's Cup. And I said, by all means, go for it. So uh, a confident, confident slot that we filled there. I appreciate that. Uh, Clay, how do you feel about Charlie and Kreider together? I mean, tell me somebody else who's hit it off the flagstick on 18 at Park Mammoth. I compare anybody with Turley at this point. I mean, like 
he we call him the Iceman because he legitimately is that dude that will go non-injury related three months, stop touching his clubs, take like 10 swings on the range and go out and shoot 68. He's just former college golfer, worked in the golf industry, very much a, uh, he's the Iceman, does not get rattled. I know Stu loves to call him that. So, uh, and then Kreider. So I played against Kreider personally in the, uh, the Gallup this past fall. And he is one of the best guys about picking his partner up if something goes wrong. Because I think he and uh, his partner, Jacob Klingon, Jack shot R71 on his own. And those two, neither one of them came within 10 or 12 shots of Jack. And they beat us best ball. Because they ham and egged it. Like, it was just we couldn't get a break. One of them was making, if Kreider was out of the hole, Claims had some nasty downhill four-footer that he was going to make for a 54. And then if Claims was out of the hole, other than and Jack and I manifested it, uh, Kreider was going to bury some four-footer from nowhere. So, Yeah, so f- the first time I played with Turley, like in a group with him, he actually came to the Legacy and played in our member game. He shows up like 15 minutes before we're getting ready to tee off. I had you know, hit a few balls. I had like half a small bucket left. And I was like, Hey, Terry, that saves you. If you, if you want to, you know, take a couple swings and he just sat down in my cart and he goes, no, I'm good. Pulls out a Jersey Mike sub, just deletes that thing, goes straight to the first tee, no putts, no swings. We're playing the blue tees. It's a 290 carry 295 carry over the right bunker and just sails it over the bunker cold after just devouring a Jersey Mike sub. I was like, all right, that was that was pretty sick. Bill different. <laughs> oh man, he I love it. And I I'll go ahead and get back on the record. Like we will be playing together in the four ball in the fall. So all you haters <laughs> and losers, get ready to watch. All right. Um, next up, West Damian, Austin Matthews versus Allen yourself and Robert Cole from the Ohio against the World Roost. I don't want to speak for Clay, um, but I will say I have been terrified of Robert. Like, he has been probably the scariest guy on your team just because of all the pops. I know that you said you don't think you can rely on 75%, but 27, getting 22 in this match, stroking off of you, it's a lot of pops out there. Clay, how do you feel going up against this match? And then let's uh, love to hear it from Alan about playing with a guy like that, getting that many strokes. So, I got to admit, this is the first pairing that Alan put out that surprised me. I really figured Allen was going to run it back with Paul and grab Paul. They played the, uh, they played a tournament together up at Brickyard this past fall. They played in, they played in a few matches together around Bloomington. So I was kind of expecting Allen to either pair up with his brother or Paul, probably thinking Paul, but I'll freely admit I was saving Austin Matthews. If I could name him against Robert Cole, I was going to just because he's, he's our highest handicap and we got to find a way to melt to negate some of those strokes. And I know Austin's played Park Mammoth probably four or five times in the last three months since Tanner took him up there for the first time. Good buddy of Tanner Sandell's. And so I wanted to try and negate some of those strokes. And Wes is another one of those guys that he can play with anybody. He'll talk your ear off about his Tar Heels, but he'll play with anybody. 
Yeah. So the, I mean, the pops aren't going to be too bad with Austin in there. Like he's going to get ten, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they see they're wheeling off the five. They're wheeling off Allen. Yeah. So, so it'll be a little mm-hmm. bit different once you know everything gets stroked out with the four ball versus singles, but still uh, some strokes to be had there. Allen, like Clay said, first one that really surprised him. What was your thought process here, and how are you looking forward to playing in this group? Frankly, I was the last guy to assign myself a pairing or assign anyone in our group a pairing. And Robert and I had only communicated like in the refuge DMs. He hadn't jumped into our Discord yet. I play golf with people I haven't ever met like 20 times a year. So I was ready to take on a completely new partner. I found out today that he played in the NIT. I had no idea about that. Um, but I think that, uh, having that major pop imbalance in our grouping and then the possibility that he gets hot and I can just type him up and ride his coattails is a really nice benefit for me on that front nine. And then I just have to keep my head up (laughs) for the back nine part. Sure. I think this is. One of the few uh, matches, uh, maybe one of looks like three and the first one in the entire lineup where Crossroads has the low cap. So you're the low cap in this match. Everything will will off of you, but also the high cap in the match. So very interesting dynamic there leading into a, what should be a very uh, competitive couple matches between Jordan Savage and Brad Crone and Josh Appleton and Austin Gervais. We've seen Jordan Savage and what he's capable of at Park Mammoth. Josh Appleton, on a lesser, to a lesser extent, very capable as well, um, and has shown that. Um, Alan, how do you feel about these guys playing together? And uh, I know that you don't know Appleton or Gervais, so um, I'll just ask you how you feel about Jordan Savage and Brad Crone. Yeah, I'm I'm very positive on these guys. Um, like you said, I think Jordan knows the course well. And he's just going to show up. I, I just have complete faith in that. He came to uh, Fow for the Fowler Hour meetup last year and played well and had never seen the course before. He's just got great energy. Brad's got great energy. They were great. Uh, well, they, they volunteered to pair up together. Don't think they've ever played together. And they're they're ready to go. So I was behind it, didn't have to ask any questions. And Clay, how do you feel about Appleton and your base? I feel really good about that pairing just because I know that Appleton, he won't he won't go full uh Josh Hollinsworth, but he's gonna have some fun out there. Gervais is also a super fun loving guy that I think from what I have heard has made some strides in the golf game. So, and I am glad that I was able to pair Appleton up against Savage because I, I, like I've said before, I was, I was Jordan's caddy in the, I've actually caddied for both of those guys. Now that I think about it, I was Jordan's caddy for the Derby or the uh, playoff at the extinction or rode with him. And the fact that he made it to a third playoff hole with how Josh was playing that day. And, I mean, Josh was on autopilot the entire time, and Jordan stared him down. And the most impressive thing was 
even after Josh drove the green on the second playoff hole, Jordan didn't change his strategy. He still hit iron and hit and tried to wedge it close. And that's super impressive to be able to know, even whenever you see the dude's got 12 foot for Eagle, stick to your guns like, no, I'm going to do this because this is how I want to play this hole. And then, uh, I've not, I've not met yet, met Brad yet. Uh, I think he was at the foul meetup. I will freely admit I was in a pretty rough shape, as Alan knows that day. So uh, I'm, I'm sure I met some people. I played with Paul and Nate that day, for sure, and I think Nate's uncle. But, uh, yeah, I feel like that's going to be a pretty interesting matchup. I, know, I think Brad's the one who mentioned he's coming in with, like, 10 clubs maybe. So it's going to be a really interesting day. Bold strategy, Cotton. Yeah. 10 clubs? Hey, some say less is more. Jordan's a very impressive uh, figure, and he's he's cemented himself in high cotton legacy with his performance last year. So I'm um, excited to see how he competes against our guys this year. But um, two more groups out on the golf course, Tanner Sandell and, and Dylan Doris versus Teeps, Travis Teeple and Nicholas Bennett, uh, the ghost of Ty Webb. Clay, you talked about Tanner and Dylan before. Alan, you talked about Travis and Nick before. So I'm not going to ask you guys to do it again. I'm just going to ask for a simple prediction on this one from each of you. Uh, three predictions, one on the four ball, one on the Tanner versus Teeps, and two on the Dylan versus Nick Bennett. Alan, you want to lead this one off? Mm. Nick is ghost of Ty Webb? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I knew I recognized that name. Yeah. I'm going to go. Caddy in the United yeah. Oh, I remember. <laughs> we all remember. I was there. <laughs> so we're doing a four ball prediction and then the singles prediction for each match. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Man, I think that four ball is going to be pretty tight. I'm going to I'm going to just go with the draw. I'm going to go all square on the four ball. And I think I, I can't vote against Tanner here. I'm hoping he loses. I think Tanner gets it by a hole and Bennett gets the match against Dylan Doris. Okay. And Clay? Yeah, the, uh, the, I don't want to interrupt you, Clay. The, the only thing I say about Dylan is he'll be giving pops in the, um, in the, in, in the, in both, you know, in both matches and, that's typically not the Dylan Doris way. Typically, he's still <laughs> like getting pops. So we'll we'll see how he adjusts to being, you know, to actually have to give him. Hey, we shouldn't have let Dylan go to Honduras. It dropped the handicap too much. Yeah, uh, no, he needs to go play more rounds in Nicaragua. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. Alan, just as a backstory, uh, Dylan and Tanner actually regularly go on mission trips to Central America together. That's sort of a running joke with us that they go to, uh, they actually do a pretty good work with a local ministry down in, uh, I believe it's typically Nicaragua, but yeah. Uh, nice. in terms of, in terms of my predictions on this one, let me give I you mean, a second because we talked early on the pairings party last night about a story that would epitomize Dylan Doris. This is maybe the yep. most really D story of all time. So his brother plays football at Duke, his little brother. Um, Dylan, quite a specimen, what, six, seven, 
200 and something. 240, I mean, 235. Yeah. He has that get off the bus factor, but his brother is even bigger. His little brother plays left tackle for Duke. <laughs> so he he <laughs> squatted, what, 495? Is that right? Yesterday. And he texted Dylan that. And Dylan was like, well, I can do that. He did it for 10 times. I can do it for one time. And so Dylan tried to do that yesterday. And while we're sending pictures of us practicing and, you know, all that good stuff, he just has icy hot, ice pack. <laughs> pain meds the ego of dylan to think oh well, my little brother can do it so i can do it is perfectly epitomizes dylan Dorton. oh and the third brother logan speaking of lifting weights gave himself a hernia last year because they got drunk and were out there lifting what he was dead lifting something and gave himself a hernia <laughs> it, am i remembering uh, right that dylan is most likely to have his shirt off at some point during the round yeah he did that at regionals okay. the first year. Yeah. Yeah. And I I wouldn't put it past Teeps and Nick Bennett to also be shirtless at some point. Oh, I that, oh, that good time then. That pairing <laughs> or the matches there, fireworks of some sort are gonna be set off at Park Mammoth. There'll there'll be a show. Yeah. So I'll be interested to see how Dylan I mean Dylan, we talk, but I haven't played with him in a while, mm -hmm. but he I mean, you never know if he's full of shit or not. But he's, <laughs> he says he says he's been hitting it well, but or playing or practicing and stuff. But it he might not even touch the club in six months. Who knows? He could have just been lying. All right, gave you some time, Clay. Let's get the prediction before we dive into the last match on the golf course. So on this one, I'm going to go. Man, I'm tempted to go a draw as well on the front, but I think I think Tanner's hips are going to get a little bit loose, and he might drive nine green. That's the. That's the one thing I'm going to say because I don't know how long Nick and Travis are. I've never, never played with either one of them. But Tanner, unlike Dylan, can drive nine green depending on from, from any of the tee boxes. He's one of the guys that can get out there and get it as long as he doesn't hit the trees on the left with the wipey fade. But I, I, I could see them. It's either going to be a draw or our guys win by one on the front, I think. That's going to be a really tight one. My one fear for Travis on the back nine is the fact that he is playing with Dylan. Dylan will get after it. Travis will get after it. <laughs> Tanner does not drink on the golf course hardly. He doesn't really drink much at all. So I'm going to go Tanner by two in that one, just because I'm afraid Teeps may have a little too much fun on the front. That, that's my one fear there. Uh, Travis is already on the refuge asking uh, – what their drink of choice is, and is it by chance bourbon? So <laughs> that's kind of kind of where I'm going with that one. And then uh, the only thing that scares me about Nick is the fact he is literally in Seoul, Korea right now, a week out from the tournament. So, but Dylan, I'm going to have to have a word with Dylan to make sure that he knows that every hole counts and doesn't do something stupid like he did in the Classic last year when he was dormy with Gervais and give Gervais a 15 foot putt and then have Gervais win the next two holes in his face before Dylan finally closed it out. Once again, Alan, the ego of Dylan Doris knows no bounds. And uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go a tie between Dylan and Dylan and Nick on the back because Dylan's going to be in that unfamiliar territory. He's used to stroking guys to death. He's not going to be used to getting, how somebody getting pops against him? So, 
I don't like the black cloud you're putting around Travis and his uh and his extracurricular activities on the golf course. It sounds like my kind of guy. I kind of I, I hope he drinks an entire handle and shoots thirty one on the back. Hey Stu, <laughs> you remember that drunk text? I, <laughs> you remember that drunk text I sent the night before the the Farmers Cup last year, like a page long. Yeah, I'd been out with Travis the night before. <laughs> Yeah, well, and on that note, of course, is Lane Rockensock and Josh Tyler versus Paul Goddard and Adam Scribner. Alan, how do you feel about Paul and Adam playing together? Uh, it's my understanding last night or from the pairings party earlier in the week that these guys are professors, believe they're buddies. So comfy pairing here. Uh, Paul is not a professor. They're both scientists, though. So okay. bringing that methodical, like slow death to this match is the plan. They're both brilliant. I'm hoping that they're going to play off of each other in that and find a way to always have each other's back. Paul, I have played in one-on-one match play. The dude is scary when he's laser focused and I, I like our chances in this match. I think it'll be a good one. I haven't had the pleasure of meeting Adam yet, but that they work together. So they'll play golf well together. And see, this is actually my favorite grouping for us. Okay. Of all the groupings, this would be the grouping I would least likely to face. Rock and Sock and JT That's at, at Park Mammoth. That's totally fair. How do you feel about it, Clay? I mean, obviously you put them together. So having seen Lane play in the Derby at the Extinction last year. That's the only time I've ever seen him play. He reminds me of, in the best way possible, a pain in the ass. He is not going to go away. He is going to be somebody that's going to make you beat him. He will not beat himself. And JT is one of those dudes, kind of like what I talked about Kling's doing to me at the Gallup. Just all of a sudden, you're like, how the hell did you get on the green? What are you putting for? Oh, this is for a five for four. That's pretty much what JT did last year in this event. And I, I've never, I've, I've only played a couple holes with JT, but Park Mammoth sets up much better for him than Quail Crossing did. Because Park Mammoth gives him some room off the tee. And he, once he gets the ball off the tee, he's a hell of a lot better than 12 handicap. That 12 is because he struggles getting the ball off the tee. And, you know, when you have a couple hundred yard wide fairways, that can that can help even that out a little bit. Clay, how do you see with this format being whoever wins the hole, except for par threes, getting to pick the next tee? Um, how do you see that impacting this event, some of these matches? And then, Alan, I want to hear the same thing before we dive into overall predictions. Obviously, I, I expect both of you to pick your own squads, but how tight is this thing going to be? I want to hear both those things. So for me, I would say that the choose your own tees puts a lot of pressure on us because the strokes don't change no matter what tees we play. So for me, that puts pressure on us to win the holes because if we start letting them make some of these par fours, 250, 275 yards, and they're getting a pop, that's when things can get, start to get kind of dicey for us. And I think that that does put the pressure on us to win some holes and we got to go out and do it. I mean, I think we're giving almost 70 shots across the eight matches. So, I mean, we got to go out and we got to, we got to golf our ball. I went through last night. There is one match 
that we get strokes in out of all eight team matches and that's and we get one in that match so it's just it, the pressure's on us. We're the defending champs, and we got to go out and win it. Yeah, I I love that Park Mammoth is open. Uh, to Clay's point, I think that the forgiveness off the tee is going to make this a lot more competitive than what we saw at Quail. Uh, the fact that our squad has now had a chance to gel a little bit and playing a few events together, build some of that um, camaraderie is going to be really important in how competitive we are this time. I can tell you we will not be trounced like last year. Uh, and I think that the preview play on Friday is going to go a long way in getting these guys confident, getting them thinking about the strategy that they want to employ on Saturday morning. I think we've got a lot of competitive four ball and singles matches coming our way. It'll be an exciting event. I agree entirely. Like you said, you guys having a little bit more time, but also the format this year, more matches, double the field. Um, and with every hole being worth the point, definitely not going to be a sweep. <laughs> um, yeah. So we can guarantee that, but yeah, I think it will be very competitive. And Stu, you said you think that uh, this may be the best chance so far for the high cotton club to get knocked off. I do. I I don't see it anywhere close to what it was last year. I I don't see a sweep. I see it being very tight. I love that you guys are going down on Friday. Uh, I think that's great for camaraderie, staying overnight. There's nothing better than just a boys trip like that, you know. And you guys will love Park Mammoth. It's it's a very playable golf course. It's very fun, and I expect it to get loud out there. I've I've it it's like I I hate that I'm missing it, but. If y'all had it one, if y'all had it on Sunday, I could have been there. Hmm. Well, Alan, like Stu said, having that overnight trip, that camaraderie, that time, this is a great way for you guys to kick off the spring. Um, what do you have planned after this, and how are you going to kind of build the momentum as you've continued to over the last year with your 2024 roof season? Right after this, we're jumping into our match play medal. So we'll qualify one guy who gets to join the Roost Regional team up in Lasonia. Uh, I think that's in mid-July. And after that, we're running our first Roost Major beginning of June, the week before the extinction. Um, playing that in Indianapolis at Purgatory Golf Club and at Bear Slide Golf Club, both really formidable tests. So we invite anyone who's got the weekend open to join us, be competitive, try and get that NIT spot. Um, after that, we start the 2024-25 season. So this is a short year, but I uh, want to take a second to thank you guys. Thank all the guys in our, our board and our membership for bringing the roost to life. And then obviously the support of the no laying up guys on the, the exec side. Happy to hear it. Yeah, we, it's it's been great to see you guys grow. Uh, I know I haven't been. I've tried to be a uh, a little bit of like a, a beneficial wrestling heel, if that makes sense. Like, you know, pushing you guys in the right direction, giving a little bit of feedback through this event um, in a little bit of a fun, like, heel type way. Um, so I'm super happy to see you guys progressing with the season and how your roost is evolving. Um, getting into some questions from one of your guys, 
Papa Teeps. Um, he threw this in on the refuge, and this is, I guess, more for some crossroads guys, maybe staying the night up there on Friday night. But there's a pool table at the cabin. He wants to know if there will be a sacrificial lamb that tries to take him on. He'll even get a bit, <laughs> give a bit of weight. I don't know what that means. Clay, you got your ass whipped by him last year. What does give a bit of weight mean? He didn't give me shit. <laughs> That's what I know. <laughs> Other than an ass whooping. Uh, no, I'm assuming that's like getting strokes in golf. Don't do it. He is it's like, he has a pool version of a handicap. This man takes pool so much more seriously than 95% of the population that just gets drunk with their buddies in a bar and plays. You don't want to play him. He, he wants yeah. you to want the smoke. You don't want it. <laughs> yeah, I've fun. already told him I, I'm fully expecting a playing lesson on Friday night. I want to learn how nine ball strategy works a little bit better. Get my I'm ass sure they'll show you, Alan. It'll just cost it'll just cost you. <laughs> I'm I'm hoping I'll play some low dollar games. I mean, I, I don't play pool and I certainly don't <laughs> bet on pool. So maybe a friendly match with his uh coop captain he'll he'll put forward. But I wouldn't be surprised if the 14 other guys are dumb enough to take him on. So we'll see. <laughs> Well, he also wants to know um, if we are going with pink polka dots or purple flowers for our team costumes this year. Uh, last year, all we sent out was a color scheme. This year, it's legitimate team uniforms. It's like, all right, wear khakis, and we're doing a team hoodie. Team hoodie's getting picked up this week, so excited to see how that shapes out. But, yeah, I won't apologize for the High Cotton Club looking like a squad. I'll never make that apology. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Nope. <laughs> no. Shut um, up, up looking good. This one is uh, from him for Tanner uh, and Dylan. What is your go-to course drink, and do they like bourbon? Uh, we talked about that a little bit earlier. Um, not so much for Tanner, maybe a little bit for Dylan. But uh, D-Ball also wanted to know, confidence rate the matchups. Who are your favorites? So, guys, if you have maybe two or three favorites that you see, these guys are going to go out and get a win. I'll start with the guy that asked the question. I really haven't seen D-Ball lose very much. And even when goaded into making dumb decisions at the gallop, he still executes. So even whenever the other team is literally on the road out of bounds, he still hit driver right down the pipe. So, I mean, I I would trust D-Ball just about as much as anybody else in the club to go out and win a match. Yeah, I hate to be boring and hate to have the conversation we already had earlier, but I like their opponents, Lee Taylor and Graham Kuslo, with it's just a low, a low cap knockdown, mm -hmm. all out brawl between these four guys. And I think it's gonna be hyper competitive and I think we're all gonna be hearing a lot of a lot of shouting, celebrating across the valley and be bummed that we're not standing over there watching it. Yeah, I I expect it to get loud in the valley. Thanks. I mean, it, I can't be there, so I, at least I need you guys to promise me that. But uh, as we're wrapping this up, we'll uh, we'll kind of move on to some life advice here. Clay, you want to lead us off with some life advice? Sure. Uh, as I told Connor, today was a little bit hectic at work, and a phrase that was uh, thrown around a little bit while working on a piece of equipment was, eh, 
eventually metal is going to clear out metal. And to me, I kind of, that's kind of one of those rolling with the punches type of deals today, but kind of to use that as life advice thinking, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to work itself out. Don't freak out about the little stuff. It'll have a way of working itself out in the long run. Nice. I like that. What about you, Alan? What you got for us? Uh, I would say be present. And I think that it's important for life on and off the golf course. I think we all get caught up in what happened two weeks ago and what is happening two weeks from now. And if you lose sight of what what's right in front of you and what you're doing in the moment, you're kind of wasting that time. So that's the mentality for Park Mammoth. That's the mentality for work tomorrow. That's what I got. Nice. Well, uh, mine is if you're faced with adversity or a new enemy in life, don't look at it as a curse because a wise man learns more from his enemies than a fool does from his friends. Mm. Mm. Say that one more time. Hit you with some deep. One more again. So if you're if you're faced with adversity or a new enemy in life, don't look at it as a curse, because uh, a, a wise man learns more uh, from an enemy than a fool does from his friends. Love that. My life advice is not quite as poetic as that, but uh, just be patient with yourself. Um, over the past few days, specifically, I've been running around like a chicken with my head cut off. Just feel like there's not enough hours in the day. Like I'm failing at every single little thing that I try to do. And I'm just trying to understand that I'm never going to be perfect. That's part of being human and to be patient with myself and realize that we're still moving in the right direction. Um, Even if that 1% better every day doesn't happen every day, at least we're trying. And that's the whole point. So, um, but Alan, Clay, I can't thank you guys both enough for all that you've done to get this event set up. We're very excited to be rejoining the Crossroads Coop and the High Cotton Club at Park Mammoth here next week it's crazy that it's already here but i'm very excited and thank you guys both for taking the time out of your night and your week to uh have the pairings party hopefully everybody enjoyed that on instagram and this podcast as well wait don't go anywhere i have one more thing what's up so as most of you know connor started the high cotton club before all of the no laying up stuff this was just a dream of yours and I know you feel like you've, you know, shit's going to hit the fan this week. But I just want you to know there's a lot of people out here that appreciate you. And this week is Connor's birthday. So the club decided to get you a gift to show our appreciation for you. So what we have here for you is a $500 Visa gift card and a $50 Chick-fil-A gift card. And this is a thank you from all the guys in the club pitched in. And we just want to thank you for making us a small part of this dream you had. And happy birthday. Happy birthday, bud. Um, uh, I'm humbled beyond um, words. This this couldn't have come at a better time for me personally. And um, so thank you, Stu. Thank you to everybody um, in the club. I say all the time. You know, it, if it wasn't for the club, um, honestly, I can't even put thoughts together right now. I'm, I'm 
a little emotional. Thank you. Thank you all. D-Ball said to fix your broken ass TV in here. Get you a new TV. <laughs> <laughs> Cheap ass. <laughs> we'll see what we can do. But um, generally, uh, I'll say something else next week. But for now, just thank you all. And thank you guys both for taking the time to join the pod. I'm excited to get out there next week. Same here. Good luck, fellas. Yeah. Thanks, Sleep well. Thanks, guys. Rich, some guys like it quiet, some guys like it loud. This is. Yeah, you know, Gator needs to look like he needs some exercise. I don't know. Of course, the conditions now that he has to play the shot test anyone. Those two, it's a great story.